Thanks for tuning into the Glenridge Church message. It's great to have you with us. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. It's great to be here, and I trust you're welcome. If you're first time here, my name's Paul, if you don't know me, but uh, it's, it really is, is good to be here this morning. Just to get you some context of where we are, we are looking through the book of Joshua of a season of going into a, a land, and I'm not sure what's behind me, but everyone's looking at it. And uh, so Stan has, and a couple of other guys have been preaching through Joshua. I just want to give you some context because I'm jumping to Joshua 10. And as we know in the book of Joshua, it ends off with Deuteronomy, Moses dying and saying, Joshua, you're the guy who's going to take the Israelites into the promised land. And so they go into the promised land, they cross the Jordan River, they get the uh, town of Jericho destroyed, God breaks down the walls, Jericho gets destroyed. I, they go up against the I, and through sin in the camp, they get given a beating. And they go back, find out what the problem was, repent, and go back and beat I the second time around. Then in chapter 9, they get deceived by the Gibeonites. Gibeon was an important city, and, uh, but they pretend that they've come from far away, and they look for a, a, um, a treaty with the Israelites because they are fearful of the Israelites. And so Joshua gets deceived into making a treaty with them. It is a major mistake. It's exactly what God didn't ask them to do, make a treaty with any Canaanite. His idea was to kill and destroy the Canaanites. They make a treaty with him. And so we find ourselves then at the beginning of chapter 10. And uh, as you know, Glenridge Church has embarked on a journey of entering in. On the 3rd of February, if you can remember back that far, Stan preached. He said, now is the time. Now is the time to break camp and go in. And so that's what the, the, the season that we've entered into and what Stan has been preaching and showing where we're going and getting our way into that. And so that's the, the context of where we are at the moment. And if you remember in, Jerem, uh, sorry, in Deuteronomy at the end, it says, uh, the Israelites listened to Joshua and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. And this is the obedient call that they, they're following. And in Joshua 1, verse 1 to 3, it says, Moses is dead. Get ready to cross the Jordan and receive the land. And friends, uh, th- if you've listened this morning, it's been amazing how every word is we're going in. We're going in. And uh, there's the church going in, but individuals going in and taking land too. And so if you're in a process of consolidating, might I suggest that maybe this is the time to go in and not consolidate, because we don't want anybody left behind. Everybody's going to go in and take the land that God has for us. And so nobody wants anyone to be left behind. We are leading and going and going for it. And so one thing that we've got to learn as we go into the land in this time is to learn how to follow. And this church has been amazing ever since it was started in 1983, or end of 82, 83, it's been a seedbed of leaders being raised up and identified and trained and sent out. It's been an amazing thing to watch all these leaders coming through. But part of that training is learning how to follow. And sometimes as leaders, we have to learn how to follow before we can lead. 
And we did a little hike, and I'll talk about it uh, just now in the holidays. And all our children wanted to do was to lead. They wanted to be in the front and running far in the front. I want you to know that's not a helpful leader. It's not helpful to learn how to lead by being so far in the front that no one can see you. As you fall off the, the path and disappear down the hill and no one ever sees you and you wonder where the leader is. No, no, you've got to learn how to follow. Learn how to follow all the time as we, as we go into this. The leader's got to be just far enough ahead to get people to follow, but not so far that they miss him and stop following because he's so far ahead. And so let's this season learn how to follow. It's critical in this season. So that was just by the way. So in Joshua chapter 10, so they've crossed the Jordan. They've gone two conquests later. A scarlet thread has, has gotten involved. If you ever get a book called The Scarlet Thread, it's Jesus through the Bible, the scarlet thread hanging out the window. It's not a by the way. It was a scarlet thread on purpose, part of the plan of God all the way through. And the scarlet thread gets hung out of, uh, by Rahab out the window. And uh, they get deceived, as I've said, by the Gibeonites. And they've walked into this land where the people, the Canaanites, are terrified. And that's where we find ourselves. And so, friends, it's important when we see the Gibeonites, they've deceived Israel. It is a major mistake. God never intended anybody to be spared here. His intent was that they'd be destroyed, everybody in Canaan. It says there that the fullness of time had come, and it was time their, their, their sin had reached its heart, and God was now to destroy them. And so, friends, you've got a big mistake. Big point number one, God can turn everything to the good, as we'll see now. God turns everything to the good. It says in, in verse 1, it says, Adonai Zedek, the king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king. And the people of Gibeon had made a treaty of peace with Israel and were living near them. He and his people were very much alarmed because Gibeon was an important city, like one of the royal cities. It was larger than I, and all its men were good fighters. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron, Param, king of that, five kings. He says in verse 4, Come up and help me attack Gibeon, because it has made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, those five, they moved and took positions against Gibeon and attacked it. So what does Gibeon do? Calls on their allies, their new ally. Sends words to Joshua at, at Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and help save us. Save us. Help us because of the, all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces. So Joshua marched up with his entire army. And verse 8 what does it say, if I could find it? The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand. The Israelites have been deceived. And what happens, instead of them having one king at a time to take on, they now have five. But God turns it to the good. It wasn't his intention, but it, God turns this disaster of, of the Gibeonites into a good thing. And they call on them, don't be afraid, he says, I've given them. Friends, no matter what the problem, God has a plan. Adam and Eve, God had a plan. Jesus dying on the cross, God had a plan. I'm divorced, God has a plan. I haven't parented well, God has a plan. 
I'm married poorly. God has a plan. He's got a plan for everything. I've eaten all my savings, physically eaten it. God has a plan. He's got a plan. He's a, the God of the plan. And it goes on. It says, after an all-night march, Joshua took uh, the kings by surprise in verse 9. The Lord, it says in 10, says, threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. My God, who has now turned everything to good, shows this huge, great victory at Gibeon. In verse 10, he, he, he turns it to the good, and we trust in God, because God can turn it. And it goes further, it says, On the day, in verse 12, that the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O son, stand, stand still. It takes great faith. Even So Joshua now has got great faith, even though he's made a mistake. Because he knows his God can make a plan. And he says, Lord, let the sun stand still for a whole day so that we can press home this victory. God sends hailstones. He does his part. The Israelites do their part for a whole day. And the amazing thing about that whole day is that scientifically in 2 Kings 20 verse 10, I love these lights. Every little bit of spit that you spit out, you can watch it. In, in, in 2 Kings 20, in Hezekiah, Hezekiah says, I need a sign from God. And God says, and he says, well, what sign? He says, well, it's an easy job for God to make the sun go down the stairs. Let God make the sun go back up the stairs. Same as this. This is just a, a, where Joshua says, hey, Lord, let the sun stand still. Scientifically, in a mathematical model of time of, of where we are, the maths doesn't work for a day and the time that it takes to, to go up the stairs. But if the scientists and the mathematicians put a day and a, the time that they worked out that the sun comes downstairs, it's a perfect model. So the Bible is not just there. It's proving. It's being proven. It's right. It's correct. It's a radical thing. And that's my God who has, it does the impossible, the God of the impossible, the God of miracles. So what are we trusting God for as we go into this next season? Who's fighting for us? We've all made mistakes, friends. But our God is the God that can, that can do it. In verse 14, the sun stood still, the moon stopped till the nations avenged, the nation avenged itself on its enemy, as it is written in the book of Jeshua. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky. There's never been a day before it or like it since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. The songs we've sung today, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. It is a radically wonderful thing. But the point is Joshua still had to fight. So the hailstones came, but Joshua fights, and he carries on. And so we get to this point where the whole of this, this, the, those five kings are destroyed, and all it does is it opens up the southern part of Canaan to the Israelites in one go. So God, who's never intended them to go with the Midianites, the Gideonites, Gibeonites, has now opened the door by destroying five kings, and they go in to this land. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now the five kings had fled, it goes on, and in verse 20, so Joshua and the Israelites destroyed them completely, almost to a man, and a few ran off to their fortified cities, and they, the kings go and hide, and uh, in verse 22, open the mouth of the cave, so they brought the five kings out, and they 
Joshua says to the, to the leaders, he says, come here, put your feet on the necks of these kings. So they came and put their, their feet on their necks. And Joshua said, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged, be strong and courageous. The very things that God has said to him, this is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. Friends, in this next season of going into the land, we are going to have enemies. But God has put them at our feet and we can put our feet on their necks because our God is the God who fights. It's an amazing thing. Joshua and the Israelites destroyed them completely. And he says, be strong and courageous. I will destroy everyone. And so from Libna to Lachish to Giza to Eglon to Hebron, we see this God just destroying one town after another and the Israelites moving. God says, I'm fighting for you. I've promised you, you can take the land. It's an incredible thing. So God can turn all disasters into the good. It's a wonderful thing. So secondly, to inherit the land, we have to cooperate with what God's doing. Not our plan, His plan. And so it goes on in verse 29, and Joshua and all the Israelites, they moved on. They took one town after another, God moving before them. And uh, in verse 40, it gets to, so Joshua subdued the whole region, including the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills, the mountain slopes, together with all their kings. He left no survivors. Why? Because God told him to. It's not difficult. He totally destroyed all who breathed, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. Joshua subdued them from Kadesh Barnea to Gaza and from the whole region of Goshen to, the, to Gibeon. All these kings in their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because why? The Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. At the Lord's command, he says, go in, and then the Lord fights. And we have to cooperate with God to win this battle. I, uh, God gives them this inheritance, and some of the miracles are remarkable. Jericho was remarkable. I've been standing in front of a huge 10-meter high retaining wall, and I physically saw it implode. It, it, it burst. It is impressive. There's concrete goes everywhere. People run. It, it is a tiny little microcosm of what happened at Jericho. Jericho was dramatic. Can you think of Jericho? I don't know if anyone's ever thought of this. This is what goes through my mind when the walls of Jericho go down, yet Rahab's house doesn't. Can you imagine? It's like a lift. It just gently got put down. Everything else is just mayhem, chaos, screaming. And Jericho goes, I mean, Rahab's house just calmly goes down. Everyone comes out. How's it to the Israelites? Thank you. It's been real. <laughs> Everyone else is dead. That's dramatic. Those are real miracles happening right now. It's a, it's a wonderfully amazing thing. And then other times we have to work hard and run and fight and chase. And uh, it takes effort and patience. And it's the same with our daily walk. We walk by faith. We walk with patience. And we inherit God's promises. But we've got to do it time after time. And it's relentless. And we've got to do it. And what right have we to do it? What right have we got to ask Prosser for another lease? What right have we got to walk into the promised land? We have a right because it's God's command. God commanded the Israelites to cross the river. He didn't ask them if they'd like to. He said, now's the time. Cross the river and get over into the land. In verse 40, Joshua subdued the whole region. He left no survivors. He totally destroyed. Why? Because God commanded it. That's what he said. He said, now get on. And friends, obedience is the issue. 
in this season. God promises to fulfill everything. It's an easy win, but we have to fight hard for it at times. We follow His commands, His will, His way. But He says, my burden is light, my yoke is easy, and we'll win this one. The battle is the Lord's, not mine. We can win this thing easily. But you've got to know, some of these things, there are principles in the fight. When you think about this, Joshua, he'd sent some spies into the land, which is great. They come back, but that was only a few of them. Really, all they could see, which was just ahead of them, they looked at the Jordan, it's in flood, and they see Jericho, that's all they could see. But they couldn't see further, but God had said, I've given you the whole land. So why did they go in? Why were they? If you look back in Genesis chapter 49, it says of, of uh, all the names of the tribes, and uh, they're being blessed. And it says, Issachar, in Genesis 49, verse 14 and 15, says, Issachar is a raw-boned donkey prepared to bend his back to the wheel because he could see how good and pleasing the promised land is. And it's a prophetic promise that the next place we are going is good, pleasing, and perfect. And we're going to walk into a wonderful inheritance. Why? Because God has promised us. And we can bend our back to the wheel, work hard, and cooperate with Him to fulfill the promise that He's got. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a principle of what we've got. We may not know it, but if we work hard and we'll get there because God's promised. And secondly, we can't always choose the team that we go in with. So I've got to go in with Seaware whether I like it or not because God's added it to this team. And David, in 1 Samuel 22, it says David had with him, he said, the distressed, those in debt, and the discontented. Now, who wants those on our team? Well, it's not something that you'd necessarily choose, I don't think. But God chose them. Why? Because they had the same goal and the same heart. And friends, we've all got the same goal, same heart, and we can go in. And everybody is needed and wanted on this team. Nobody's not wanted. No matter what debt you're in, we want you. We need you. Everybody's needed. If you stay behind, there's a problem. Everybody has got to go into the, 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 into the land that God's given to us because God's promised us. Nobody left behind. You might not like the person next to you. They're still they're coming in. That's who God's got for us. And thirdly, we fight for each other on the way. Fight for each other. The two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan, they came on the west and they walked. Shoulder to shoulder, shoulder by shoulder, and Nehemiah, we're standing, we're going to win this thing together. Choose who you sit next to. Let me tell you, you want hard muscles, strong people to go in, but maybe they need you because you're that one, and they're going to walk in, we're going to win together. Kiara and Gavin nearly died. We stand with their parents together, we pray them in. Together we're going to win. This season, friends, we're standing together. No matter what the problem is, we'll stand together, we'll win the fight and we'll walk into what God's got for us. Amen. Together we've got to win this fight. Together we pray. On Thursdays, friends, on this Thursday, we're praying and fasting. We've got to do it together. Five of us can't do it. Not that there are five people who come to prayer, but every single person has got to be winning this thing together. We, together we're going to win and we're going to walk in. It says in 2 Chronicles 20, 13, it speaks about Jehoshaphat and the battle. They're surrounded by the enemy, Amazing that Kathy mentions this. They're surrounded by the enemy, and God says, Come before me, you and all your little ones. He says, Bring the children. Bring them. 
And friends, it's a picture of, of them training the children how to fight. Friends, our children need to be here with us. When we're worshiping, they don't, please can I encourage you, have your children with you. I'm not saying that they're going to be enraptured and taken up to heaven. They might be coloring in and playing, but they're with us. They're together. They're not running around playing next door, totally awake. Church is about training our little ones. Because so, suddenly they become teenagers. Now suddenly they, they can't play outside. They have to, now they've suddenly got to, oh man, what am I doing here? Now I'm worshiping. It's a learning curve. But if they've learned from when they're babies, it's much easier to take them in and train them together with the little ones. It's part of what God's got for us is this learning, the principle of fighting together. Our children are part of that. Our children are part of the fighting together. Even if they fall asleep, let them fall asleep under the Word of God. Jonah, you champion, fast asleep. What a win. But he's still hearing it. I believe it. All right. So we turn, God turns all things to the good. We cooperate with God. And thirdly, when we cooperate, much can be achieved in a very short time. The Israelites walked around for 40 years, and suddenly they destroyed the, the southern part of Canaan. It's God had worked on their behalf is the key, but things work quickly when God walks works for us. When we fight Him, when we disobey Him, we go for another 40 years, round and round. But we cooperate, and He does it suddenly. I'm not saying that that doesn't come with difficulty. As I said, we went to the family, we went on a little hike, about nine, ten kilometers um, in December. And uh, look, it wasn't as easy as I thought. And uh, there was an eight-year-old going up to a 50-something-year-old and a whole horde in between. And uh, up and down sand dunes and across rocks and boulders. And there was blisters. And if I said there's no grumbling, I'd be lying. There was a fair amount. But the amazing thing was, walking up a, up a steep hill, the scenery was spectacular. It was beautiful. This was just the ocean there were seals uh, probably 100 or 200 meters down below. Just They had their own little personal plunge pool where the rocks had formed, and they were playing. And uh, the dolphins were cruising across the bay. It was absolutely amazing. It made the grind of the walk pale into insignificance. And friends, when this, we walk into the promised land or what God's got for us next, we've got to focus on the beauty not on the ground, because we give up otherwise. When God calls us to a task, it can be tough, but we've got to focus on Him, His glory. Let's just have a quick look. Greg read a, an amazing scripture this morning out of Psalms. In Psalm 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I'll be confident. And one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. To seek Him in His temple. To gaze upon His beauty. Friends, Sometimes this walk isn't easy, but we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. It's a magnificent thing. And it's everything, the blisters fade away. 
when we gaze upon the wonders of, of what's in front of us. It's an incredible thing. But we don't stare at the beauty the whole time because otherwise nothing gets done. Or you fall off the path, which is even better. You end up 200, you, get, you can frolic with the seals. Only problem is you'll be dead. So you can't always stare at the beauty. You've got to get on with it. God's called you to get on with it. We go back and refer to the, your glory you won. Okay, now I must go. And we walk and we walk and we walk. Don't miss the, miss the path. Don't stumble, but enjoy the view as we walk. And oftentimes, friends, people are the beauty. Focus on the people. They are the stained glass windows in a church. This is not, we, earlier I spoke about this. This is just what God gave us. Nothing spectacular. The spectacular are us, the people in this church. They are the stained glass, the beauty. And when we focus on them, the walk goes quickly. The walk goes quickly. And, uh, and the other thing is don't stop before, uh, before the end because it's hard to restart. And I tell you, so, so you, we're walking. Okay, can we stop here? We need a break. Okay, we have a break. We stop, take your backpack off. You get the waters out, the juices out, the, the snacks out. There's like a party. I mean, crumbs. All I want to do is finish this blinking thing and walk. No, no, we have to have a party. So we have a party and we, we've, everyone gets revived and there's photos and selfies. And oh, God. 45 minutes later, we start walking again. It's only supposed to be an hour walk. Finish the party. Put the backpacks on, pack everything away, walk 10 more meters, can we stop? No, you can't stop. We've got to finish the job. Finish the job, friends. Don't keep stopping. Every time you stop, it's hard to start. Every time you stop, you think, oh, the blisters have gone away. No, they haven't. They're just waiting for you to start again. Just finish the job. Just finish the job. When you finish the job, then you can worry about the blisters. Now, believe me, they do go away. Just inject them with methylate and everything will be fine. <laughs> everything will be fine. Yeah, the doctor's husband. It's a wonderful thing. Friends, lastly, lastly, fourth point. After conflict, after you fought, after we fought the battle, we go back to the place of fellowship. In Chapter, in verse 43, it says, Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. Gilgal was a, a place just as they crossed the Jordan, that was Gilgal. Then they destroy the whole of the south, and they go back to Gilgal. Why was Gilgal important? It's important because they kept the Passover there when they moved into the Promised Land. The tabernacle was found there in Joshua 6. In Joshua 5, that was where the manna stopped. And they got refreshed by the land, not by the manna, the same old, same old. They got a new land, a new, new food. It wasn't an idle time. It was a time of refreshing, time of prayer, time to gather themselves and get ready for the next battle. God never expects us to run ourselves into the ground. He never expects us to, be, to kill ourselves on this journey. He expects us to refresh ourselves and be refreshed. Take sustenance. I have no issues with the stopping. It's just the stopping every 10 meters I had a trouble with. We've got to stop. We've got to take sustenance. We've got, we can't hit the wall. I don't know if any one of you have hit the wall when you're running or exercising. It's physically like you cannot move another step. It's not a mental thing. It's not a, if I just push through, I'll, no, no. It's physically the carbohydrates in your liver is done. You, are, you cannot move until you get carbohydrates into your body. God never intended that to happen. 
We've got to get sustenance and get sustained. Take our backpacks off occasionally, get going again afterwards. But I tell you, if you keep going, the suddenly happens a lot quicker. That's the truth. So we, we have this, we, we get through, we, we keep moving, we destroy the enemy, and we go back to what God has for us. He talks, he, he gets us into this land where, we, where we're in a place where we, we just say, Lord, you've got to fill us. You can't, I can't be the one. I can't find sustenance. God gives us sustenance. God sustains us through prayer, worship, and fellowship. Prayer, worship, and fellowship. Why is it so important to pray together? Because we get sustained in it. We get sustenance. We get re, uh, rejuvenated, revitalized. And on that journey, I stumbled on this. I was driving in December, and I was listening to a preach of a man who was spoken, speaking, spoken about the Sabbath, speaking about the Sabbath. And he said this. He said, you have to actually, Sabbath is rest. You actually have to rest. Now, we're all good at that. That's easy. You just stop doing what you're doing. But you have to stop working. That means you have to, I haven't got my phone on me. For, oh, what a great example. I don't want my phone. Um, you can't have your phone. You've got to put your phone down. Because you can be resting but still working. How many people have you seen on the beach in the holidays working on their laptops? I, I, dozens. I'm not exaggerating. Dozens. Just working on their laptop. That's not resting. That's not Sabbathing. That's not stopping work. So we've got to rest. You've got to stop work. And you, this was the beauty. You have to feast. Now, feasting doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but it's just different. And so as a family, we once a week, it doesn't have to be a Sunday, just once a week we try and do, eat differently. Just reminds us there's a God out there and we are there to worship Him. But it's just different. And if you don't ever eat anything you might get some fruit, and that's your, for your Sabbath feast. Just saying it doesn't have to be an eight-course meal. It can just be something different. But it's something of the Sabbath on the journey. It's the, the once-a-week Sabbath, slow down, calm down. The, Israel, the it's Israelites, the Jews, have a Shabbat meal once a week to remember. They remember who they're worshiping and their, their God. And family, once a week, just have it just that we can relax. So that's on, that's on a Sabbath level, regularly, through the fight. But then when we finish the fight, we go to the place of fellowship, a place, our Gilgal, our safe place, where we won't be disturbed. And if we're honest, Melanie Dyer, Rory and Mel led this church before Ryan and, and uh, Stan, who is away for the weekend, by the way, and she gave, felt God give her this 2 Samuel 7 verse 10 and 1 Chronicles 17, 9, it says it again. It says, I will give you a place where you won't be disturbed. When God gave us this land here, this place where the station, where we built here, and if we're honest, we have been disturbed. It's been difficult at times. The par we've had parking issues. We've had all sorts of issues. But I believe that word still stands, and God is giving us a place where we won't be disturbed. And we're looking now to get renew our lease and and look for what going into means for the next season. But there are three things, friends, to finish this. Is God commands, we obey, and we achieve victory. God commands, we obey, there's victory. And on the way, we win the battles. Amen. Amen. Amen.